Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom is here with me, Brian's here, and Whitney's here. So we're going to talk about cotton entomology because it's July, and that's what we do in July is kill bugs in cotton. Tom, how are you? Man, I think I'm okay. No worse for wear? You know, you just kind of grin and bear it, bow up, move on, <laughs> try to ignore the aches and pains. Tom's working hard, supposedly. Yeah, allegedly. No, that's once upon a time, there was an experiment station director here who accused me of just jumping out of the truck in the morning to get dirt and moisture on my pant legs when I was coming into work. For a city boy, you do have a knack for getting dirty. I, I'm not shy about getting dirty. You can cram some dirt onto that frame of yours for sure. I'm convinced that I hold this job just simply to ruin clothes. When Brian was in school over here, he had a couple guys that dirt wouldn't stick to them. I mean, they would always look like they had come straight out of the shower, shirt tucked in, always perfectly I think neat. I know who you're referring to. <laughs> well, McCoy is one of oh, them. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. <laughs> that comes to mind. Strangely yeah. enough, that's actually uh, who I pictured in my head was you, McCoy talking you, on his phone, walking around the parking lot. In the 10 or so years I've known McCoy, I don't know that I've ever seen him dirty. I've seen the shirt untucked, but I've I seen don't him, know. I've seen him work. I mean, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. go and hammer hard, but I never saw him get dirty while he was doing it. The dirtiest I saw McCoy, though, was working on that, you know, the combine that they clean up all that, right. you know, everything after the, the plots have been cut. <laughs> he had to run that, that old combine, and that, it got the best of him. Oh, the old case combine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's he got bad. dirty that day. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope he listens to this. Did you get but, photos of that? Did the air conditioner even not. work in that thing? Did he have to have the doors open? Oh, yeah. I don't even know if it had windows. Oh, man. Maybe it did. I, yeah. think, it had, I, I think that was the problem. It had, <laughs> yeah, it had windows. The doors were definitely open. <laughs> so, Brian, we went to the beach last week for the MAIC, and we established back, I don't know, sometime in May or so, that Whitney – likes water is not necessarily a big fan of the beach so what was your favorite beach activity growing up oh gosh i've always liked the beach um probably like my boys were doing get on like the little board and ride the waves in or try to get out to the remember back in the 80s used to be like a green line that was, you know, <laughs> yeah. past the dark spot. <laughs> yeah. Like, try to make it there. Yeah. And then, you know, surf the waves back in. All right. Fun cool. time. Oh, and crab hunting at night. Can't leave that out. Yeah, we hadn't got into I've been avoiding the crab hunting. <laughs> uh, we hadn't made it. We hadn't progressed to that age yet. Yeah. And, and we made it through another year without having a crab hunt. Well, they're a lot smaller than, that, than I remember in the 80s. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't know, something going on. <laughs> well, let's just say you're bigger, and that's why they're smaller. <laughs> well, maybe, but. You're not the only person I've heard say that. July, yes, insects. I mean, that's kind of the one thing that pops into my head. Whitney, give us just brief update on what's occurring in cotton as related to insect pressure and probably the more important insects as of right now. Okay, so the last couple of weeks we've been dealing with spider mites. There's been a number of applications going out. It's been hot and dry, which is real favorable to spider mites. As far as plant bugs, last year in a number of areas, pressure was really high. We had really large 
adult migration. This year, it seems to be relatively normal and maybe even some areas on the lighter side. And then we're also about two weeks, two and a half weeks into the bollworm flight. And there's been a number of applications going out onto gene cotton. And I have seen some people commenting on three gene cotton on Twitter and some feeding on decent sized bowls at this point. There has been some questions about 3-Gene Cotton. For the most part, it seems like Bulgard 3 is still performing well. Where we're seeing some issues is with Wide Strike 3. Well, and then what, what's kind of our breakdown or split on 2-Gene and 3-Gene Cotton? We still have a good bit of 2-Gene, and that would be 1646. I mean, it's a, a good bit, but it's the most 3-Gene we've planted since we've been planting 3-Gene. Kind of hard to give exact number. It's in pockets. Uh, a lot in the Delta is three gene probably more so you not to say there's not any two gene in the delta but is i'd say more adoption in in the delta a lot of the guys in the hills are still planting um 1646 but then there's pockets of three gene you know some farmers that's all they have this year which last year you know they kind of made the transition which we're also in the process of phasing out 1646 so that would yeah. increase it's slowly going to increase our three gene as of next year, I'm pretty sure. So, there, you know, I think that that's going to probably be the end of that. Brian, tell folks in the room that don't know what you're talking about what the difference between 2-gene and 3-gene is. I'm just a weed scientist. In the 3-gene cotton, you have the same 2-genes with the addition of VIP, and then where the 2-gene where the does not. Which gives you added protection. Which gives you added protection. Gotcha. Yes. All right. On all insects or specific insects? Your lepidopterian pest, bollworm, budworm. Well, even I know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, let's try. I, mean, to, I, didn't, I didn't know the I difference mean, between two and three genes, but I knew it was just the trimodopterin complex. Let's right. try to round this out as an educational component. Okay. Because it's a similar question, and you get it more from the plant pathology standpoint in corn than you do in some other things, where the assumption is, is just because you have those BT genes within corn that that protects against all insect pests. We just want to know what you can spray on it. That's that's the questions I get. I'm aware. <laughs> Whitney, it, it's been hot all summer, really. How does the heat affect the insects? And I know it has different effects on different ones. You mentioned spider mites. I always kind of associate spider mites with hot and dry. Related to control, does it have a positive effect on some? So with some insecticides, so like aphids is a good example, we see like especially in like grain sorghum. When it's hotter, we get better control, whereas when those temperatures drop below like 80, 85, we see a decrease in efficacy. But I also think it's potentially impacting the populations that we're seeing. So like plant bugs, I think because it's been so hot and dry that a lot of times, right, you think about cotton and plant bugs. Cotton is a sink, not a source for plant bugs. So we see them in ditch banks and other weedy hosts and soybeans and and corn. So you think about the landscape right now, it's dry, it's hot. There's not a whole lot of other vegetation or flowers that they would generally be reproducing on. So I think maybe there's potentially some impact on the populations we're seeing because it has been hot and dry. But then on the flip side of that, right, like spider mites are increased because it's hot and dry. Aphids tend to be increased because it's hot and dry. So I think there's give and take depending on the populations that we're dealing with based off of the environmental conditions. So what are y'all hearing about plant bugs right now? I mean, that's kind of the been the main insect pest for cotton over the last however many years. So what's well, going on? Well, with I've them been right hearing now? a lot less about it. I'd say 
early squaring through first bloom. You know, there's a lot of a lot of talk about it, a lot of applications going out. Maybe one or two, like every other week, or, or you know, something in that nature. But it wasn't nearly like years past or last year. And then after two or three applications, it's kind of gotten quieter. I've been hearing a whole lot more about spraying um, for worms in the 2G and cotton and spider mites Yeah, over I would the past say, two weeks. I would say plant bugs are relatively normal. Looking at our trials now, I mean, they're starting to pick up. But I would say, especially in the Delta, they're on par with what we typically see. But again, it is still our most economical pest and still is what we're going to, even on a lighter year, still what we're going to put most of the dollars into. So what can you attribute on being, if they are lighter or just haven't, picked up yet what would you attribute them being lighter to i think it's the environment just hot and dry it hasn't there's not been a whole lot of rainfall yeah i'd agree and plus on years that is they're bad they always are attracted to the most the luscious spot of the field you know the greener cotton it's tend, it tends to be that way and you know i just think it's a function of the hot and dry like she was saying we all go to that meeting in orange beach every year and then coming back home after we've been gone for several days and you know, stuff changes a lot and there's usually some text float around about how much the corn changed in the time that that we were all at orange beach my wife even commented about it on the way back there was a field that had turned noticeably in the time that that we were gone so what's the i know you always think about when corn starts drying down the plant bugs you move from the corn to the cotton so what are y'all anticipating in that regard. Fred Musser actually did a study on this, like the movement from corn into cotton. And based off of his results, they stopped moving out of corn into cotton at green silk. So by the time they have a brown silk, they've already moved. Um, but there's something about that main that edge effect right next to corn. Like corn right next to cotton always, no matter the year, has an, um, an increased number of insecticides just simply because of that edge effect, but they do eventually stop moving. So once it gets to that, about that green silk, they've really stopped that movement out of corn into cotton. So that would have gone on for the majority of ours would have gone on in weeks past. Yep. So what I'm imagining is that edge effect that you're describing. It's just a, a, I say isolated area, but semi-isolated area along the margins of the fields. Yeah. You're right about the corn having just changed. And you're, you're also right about being gone for a week. When you come back, you see a lot of differences. I can just tell with cotton, just the, it's just progressing through the, the stages. I could tell a big difference. We caught a few rains while we were gone. So, I mean, the crop looked a lot better. Even, uh, I'd say most of it is five to four nodes above white flowers. So, I mean, you start counting the DD60s. After that, two or three weeks, if it continues to be this type of temperature, we should be kind of getting past the insect. Yeah, so economic we, threshold. Yeah, we recommend terminating cut out plus 350 heat units. Yeah. So what do you say like 15 to 20 days depending on the weather? Yeah, it definitely depends on the weather. I think we we have a student that's trying to figure out node above white flower cuz that tends to be a little bit easier than the plus the 350 heat units. Based off of our estimations, we really think that's about 2 to 3 nodes above white flower is really where we need to terminate insecticide yeah. applications. And that's what Eli was working mm-hmm. on that too and uh based off one year data, it it looked like it was more 2 than 3, but that, you know, last year's a lot different than this year, too. We had a lot of cloudy days. 
So that cutoff, would that be just for plant bugs or would that be for That would be for, for, all, for pests? all pests except for spider mites. Based off of some research they did a while back at cutout is when we can terminate spider mite applications. So that'd be a little earlier than that. Yeah, then. a little bit earlier. Forgive my ignorance. Why? Contrast a plant bug versus a spider mite that would make the cutoff earlier for one species than another. When we talk about spider mites and the way that they feed, we're really concerned about them inhibiting the photosynthetic ability of the plant. So you think once you start getting towards that later end of the season, what they've already done, the damage they've done has already had an impact based off of where that infestation was established. So you think note above white flower five, we're really starting to shut down and be done for the season. Whereas when you think about plant bugs or bollworms, there's still enough fruit at the top. Now what impact that has on yield is generally variable and not where the majority of our yields coming from, but there's still an impact. There's still squares. There's still small bowls that can be fed on from those two other insects. I got you. Are spider mites do they really focus their attention on stressed cotton? It's always seemed to me that, that the fields that are most impacted from spider mites tend to be presenting a little bit more stress. They're not lush like what Brian said about you find a lush spot in the field and that's where your plant bugs tend to populate. I think with spider mites, what happens is is a lot of times they're again going to be on those weeds on the sides of the field or in ditch banks and they end up moving and they can be present in the field without being an issue. I think what ends up happening is it gets hot and dry. And so those plants then become stressed. Then you have spider mites already on there. And a lot of times we don't see that symptomology until a couple of days after those mites are present. And then we start spraying for things like plant bugs. So then we're, we're adding more stress on top of that plant in addition to the environment that they do well. And I think then it becomes, it looks like that's an overall more stress plant compared to everything else, right? Because when you're driving down the field and you see a red patch, everybody knows what that is. But I think it it kind of takes a little while to get to that point. It's just we recognize it as a really stressed plant after the fact because those mites have been established. And, and once you spray, right, even though the mites are controlled, the symptomology is still there. It doesn't go away. It no. does not go away. We've talked several times in here throughout this year and into last year about supply challenges. What have y'all heard about insecticide supply? Have we, have we been able to do what we wanted to do? For the most part, I have heard of some people switching insecticides, you know, just because availability, but planning ahead goes a long way. Whitney probably can add a lot more to this than me, but I haven't heard a whole lot about if, if someone wanted to spray transform, they, they pretty much sprayed it. In some cases, they might have said, well, I'm just going to substitute this. But I think people knew well in advance. We've talked about it all year. You know, just try to get things in order, line things up when you can, know some products you, you will be using, and try to just have that in your wheelhouse. I would say up until this point, it's been okay. I've heard that we couldn't find certain products really early in the season, like with thrips. But fortunately, that we may do with what we had. Over the last couple of weeks, I've heard of other products that haven't been available. I think we're fortunate enough, at least with plant bugs, even though we're reliant on things like Diamond and Transform, which may potentially be impacted at, as far as availability, that we're, one, hopefully far enough along that there's enough alternatives that I think we can get through this season and be okay, even though I think there is some talk about product availability. Not having super heavy pressure, Normal to lower pressure definitely would impact yeah. that. 
I won't even ask the question about how that may influence next year. I mean, that's the first thing that jumps into my head. So are we going to base what we're going to have available next year off of what we had and sold this year? Or will we base that more on something that could be a more expanded pressure for the future? I don't have the answer to that question. I can only hope that some of the concerns that we saw this year will be planned for next year. But I guess we'll worry about that when next year comes. I don't know if anybody has a real answer to that, Tom. Probably it's handled differently from one company to the next and then one retailer to the next, the way they source things. And, and I just hear from the fungicide standpoint that availability is based on what was more or less sold last year, as I understand it. Now, again, that that's kind of a simplistic view. And I've heard the same thing and, with, with some products. And I try to stay out of that, but I know that my counterparts up north have said that availability is short on some products, at least in the fungicide world. And I don't know how that will influence or impact the rest of your ag chemical needs. But my expectation is, is that I hope that we won't have to continue to have this conversation, but it seems like that we, we might. will continue to have that conversation moving forward. When hopefully we're looking at averages over the last couple of years and not just this year, hopefully. Right. I'm afraid we'll have to continue to talk about it. I'm afraid we'll have to continue to talk about it, and it will be expanded to additional ag-related items. Although I did get a tank of gas this morning for less than $100. Small wins. I'm going to bite my tongue on <laughs> what my more candid response would be. If I had waited till tomorrow, it would have been over $100. Any specific comments to make for kind of the remainder of this season? Or, well, let's let me rephrase that. Any specific comments to make until we meet next to talk about future bug pressure. Whitney. My comments would be no matter the insect to scout and to spray on threshold. My comment would be let's try to hold on tight and get to this 350 heat units after cutout because I, I really think this crop's advanced. I think it's going to surprise us, be a little early. It does seem to be boogieing. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would <laughs> say it has been from walking some cotton plots last night. I was pretty shocked at how much further along they seemed this year as compared to last year. Yeah. yeah. And by last night, he means like seven, not midnight. Well, no, it wasn't that <laughs> late. Thank you both for being here, taking yeah, the time. Thanks out for having day. us. Um, thanks, Brian, for coming over. I know you're over here for a meeting, which, which helps. But um, we continue to appreciate the continued listener support. Please keep the comments up. You know, continue to get in touch with us if you need one-on-one -on -one support or questions. We're all available. You know, track us down. Mississippi Crop Situation blog, I think, has all of our cell phone numbers. So if you need us for something a little bit more in-depth, feel free to call. Thanks. The Mississippi Crop Situation podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.